So I do uh, overdose prevention education and naloxone distribution statewide uh, under two federal grants. Uh, one, the prescription drug uh, opioid overdose grant, and also the uh, opioid state targeted response grants. Um, I train uh, all the way from a person who injects heroin to uh, Senator Martin Heinrich's office. I've trained um, hundreds of people over the last couple of years, uh, and, and including recently really focusing on uh, law enforcement statewide. I have trained um, Clayton PD. I've trained San Juan County uh, Sheriff. I've trained Union County Sheriff. I've trained uh, Border Patrol, Lordsburg PD, Santa Fe PD, um, just really going all over the state and uh, training officers to recognize and respond to a suspected over, uh, opioid overdose using uh, naloxone hydrochloride, or in our case, it's a brand name is Narcan um, that you may have seen. Um, so I'll go through this, and um, please feel free to, I don't know how what sort of you know, protocols you have for the meeting, but I tend to be conversational and allow people to chime in and ask questions. And it doesn't, it, this is obviously a little bit didactic, but it's also, I like to engage people. So I'm, feel free to chime in. Um, I'm just going to give you a little overview about the opioid overdose epidemic in New Mexico and a little bit nationally. Naloxone, and then talk briefly about illicitly manufactured fentanyl and what it looks like in um, the United States versus New Mexico. And then there will be resources available to you, specifically to the law enforcement officers, um, to be able to look at some of the, uh, to feel really feel safer in your work um, and talk in, in terms of science about illicitly manufactured fentanyl and, and exposure to it. Um, sorry, this computer will sometimes. You can just click the background sometimes. And then so we're going to talk uh, a little bit about um, overdose death data in New Mexico, talk about opioids, other substances, and naloxone to reverse an opioid overdose, um, talk about state statute as it relates to law enforcement uh, exemption from, from criminal and civil liability when responding to an opioid overdose. And then uh, just, I'm not a, a, a scientist, but just to try to understand a little bit about the science of of, of exposure to illicitly uh, manufactured fentanyl. Between 1990 and 2015, the overdose death rate in New Mexico tripled. As you can see, in 1990, we were at 7.6 per 100,000. Um, in uh, 2015, we were 24.8. And actually, the, since I put this together, the 2016 data came out. Next bullet below, you can see we're at 25.2. Per 100,000, where the U.S. is at 19.8 per 100,000. It's important to note that um, we dropped out of the top um, 10 for really the first time in the last two decades. We've been number one, two, or three yes. for most of the last 20 years. Um, this is not new in New Mexico. We've been dealing with um, prescription opioid and heroin overdose deaths since pretty much the end of the Vietnam era. We are sort of plateauing right now, um, but it's not because we're doing super great. It's just that it's really bad in other parts of the country, um, in Kentucky and West Virginia and Ohio and up the eastern seaboard uh, into New England. Um, but we still have the highest overdose um, death rate in Rio Reba County in the United States at 84.8 per 100,000. This is for you. 
Started per year? Uh, yes. Per day, Niels. Um, overdose, as you probably have heard from the news now, um, is the leading cause of death for people under 50 in the United States, killing more people than firearms and, and motor vehicle accidents. Um, so just briefly, a little overview of opioids. Um, opioids are, are medications that are, and if the physicians in the room want to chime in, please, please feel free. Um, opioid medications are used to treat physical pain, but they also have an effect on emotional and psychological pain. Um, they produce euphoria. Um, they can act as an antidepressant. And also, I think most importantly, one of the properties is this notion of dissociation, where you, a, a person who's using an opioid, who's not having such a great time in life, feels like their life is temporarily somewhere else and that they that crappy life they have is over there and it's not their own. Um, that's pretty powerful when you're talking about people who are who probably have uh, untreated emotional and psychological issues um, associated with past trauma or, um, you know, any, any multitude of things um, in dealing with uh, life's challenges. Um, the other thing about opioids, this is the reason we're here, is that in doses that are too high, they cause your body's own drive to breathe, breathe to be depressed. So they... Um, in, in doses too high and in doses with mixed with other respiratory depressants, they slow your breathing down to the point where it can eventually stop. And then once breathing stops, then in a couple of minutes, depending on your body's physiology, you can go into cardiac arrest. Um, prescription opioids include Percocet, Dilaudid, um, prescription fentanyl, Vicodin, Lortab, um, you can read the list there. Um, it's also important to note, I think, that um, although it's a partial, what's called a partial opioid agonist, buprenorphine, which is used to treat opioid dependence, is also um, an opioid. Um, and then it, around the country, we're seeing illicitly manufactured fentanyl in the form of uh, fake pills where they are pressed to look like something that you would get from a pharmaceutical company. Um, but they are much stronger dosages and are, are killing people who are um, buying diverted um, or fake pills on the, on the streets. Also, in other parts of the United States, not in New Mexico, um, we are seeing illicitly manufactured fentanyl in the heroin supply. Um, just as a point of, of note, um, in order to stay ahead of this from a public health and public safety perspective, we are currently testing. Uh, black tar heroin in northern New Mexico for the presence of fentanyl. Um, we bought fentanyl test strips and are, are testing um, heroin samples at syringe exchange sites. <laughs> and since September, we have had zero positive uh, results for fentanyl in the black tar heroin. Um, the respiratory depressant effects of opioids are made worse by alcohol and also by the class of medications, benzodiazepines, which are, which are used to treat anxiety. Um, and Dr. Duhigg sometimes to help people sleep, is that correct? The benzodiazepines? Yes. From old school doctors. Okay. <laughs> um, so there are old school doctors who, who prescribe benzodiazepines to help people sleep. Um, and then there are other like sleeping pills and then some antipsychotic medications like Seroquel also um, make the respiratory depression effects worse 
Um, people who inject heroin and methamphetamine or heroin and cocaine are also um, at risk for increased respiratory depression. Um, and it's not uncommon for doctors um, to prescribe opioids and a benzodiazepine concurrently. Um, and people who aren't given proper education don't know that alcohol is also a respiratory depressant. So they may be taking a, an opioid for pain and a benzodiazepine for anxiety and then like to have a couple cocktails at dinner and all those, those three drugs, those alcohol, opioid, and benzodiazepine are really a deadly cocktail um, in terms of overdose risk. Um, so, um, in 1971, the FDA approved um, naloxone hydrochloride um, as an opioid antagonist. That's the opposite of the opioid agonists that I showed you earlier that temporarily antagonizes an opioid off of the receptor site. The Narcan that I distribute comes in a box like this with um, two blister packs inside. Um, they're four milligrams each in 1.1 cc of solution. I'm going to do a little demo here if I can. Um, I think we can even zoom in on you. Do you want to zoom in? Sure so you can see how easy. Although, and that's, yeah, we're going to switch the screen so that you show up on the screen. That I don't know how to do. This could probably so you probably see it from here. Have you not been sharing? Do anything PowerPoint screen? Under view options? I know in Jens, there's two different cameras on him right now. Okay. So you just take the Narcan out of the blister pack, it requires no assembly. Put this in the person's nose and depress the plunger, and there you have the full dose in one spray. And then that device would be finished. So, Bernie, just to clarify, no needles come out and nobody gets stuck or anything? No, there is no. This, this goes in the person's nose and it comes out in one, no needles, no assembly. Um, this is not now a biohazard. This is trash. What if you get boogers on it? Then is it a biohazard? Boogers aren't a biohazard. <laughs> See, then <laughs> so, um, that's why you can eat them now. <coughs> so the, the Narcan, and we use brand name Narcan nasal spray because these are federal grants and the, the feds, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration requires us to use a device that is approved by the FDA for nasal delivery. There are other nasal delivery devices many of you may be familiar with, the orange box with the atomizer you screw on top. That is an off-label use and not approved by the FDA, so we use this, this spray. This is um, public interest pricing. This is $75 a box. Um, so that's two doses for $75, and again, that's public interest pricing. That's not uh, retail pharmacy price or copay. Um, this uh, medicine only works for 30 to 90 minutes to, to displace the opioid and re re restore the person's own respiratory drive. Um, 
It is safe, extremely effective. There is no abuse potential. It cannot be diverted. Um, if, if it is used on a person not overdosing on an opioid, nothing will happen. Um, in the mid-1990s, I was a paramedic. Um, I gave naloxone all the time to people who were unconscious and not breathing, and I didn't know why. Um, so it's used as a rule-out medication. Um, since I'm on this slide, um, I will say that this has a two-year expiration date from the date of manufacture. Um, it needs to be stored between uh, 59 and 77 degrees with excursions on both on either end, up to 104 degrees. Um, freezing is really uh, not advised, and I have told law enforcement officers around the state that if they suspect that their kit has frozen, they've left it in the car overnight to let me know, and I will take the kit out of service and replace it with another one. Um, also, just so you know, um, I've been working with law enforcement for a couple of years. Um, a lot of uh, agencies want to carry this in a Pelican kit uh, in their car. Um, and I did a temperature test last summer with a Pelican kit in my car for two hours, and it was over 120 degrees. Um, so what I recommend is in this blister pack, there are some officers who just carry it in their shirt. Um, some officers would put it in a pocket, in a, like in the uh, side pocket of your pants where it's like like military kind of pants. Um, some officers will just keep it in their car with the air conditioning on or with the heat on, um, depending on what season it is, and then take, making sure they take it into their house if they drive their duty vehicle home at the end of the shift. Um, what else? Yes, there's no question. So this is matching with APD. So you just demonstrated how, I guess, to administer it. How much has to go into the nasal cavity? Like, What if someone actually misses and only half goes in? Is it still effective? Or uh, Well, obviously, um, a, a full dose would be more effective. Um, the thing is, is that you have a second dose um, that you could then apply, put in the person's nose. Um, the intervention that I teach when I'm teaching law enforcement officers or anybody else actually is not only giving the medicine, but also performing rescue breathing. Um, when someone is having an opioid overdose, their body is not craving naloxone, it's craving oxygen. So we want to get, whether you have a bag valve mask or whether you have a face mask or whatever it is that you might be using to ventilate the person and to, and to do Narcan every three minutes. So not getting a full dose in, um, could be, you know, a lot of things could happen. This is a pretty high dose. Um, this is four milligrams. That's, I've never gave somebody four milligrams of Narcan intramuscular or intravenously when I was a paramedic um, because you can titrate that delivery device to patient effect. This you can't titrate. So why teach people to give this every three minutes to give the medicine a chance to work? So if you gave, if you were doing rescue breathing for somebody and you think you gave a partial dose, I would continue rescue breathing for three minutes and give, and then give a second dose because sometimes rescue breathing alone can revive a person who's um, in respiratory arrest from an overdose. Oh, I guess I, I forgot about this slide. So there's the tier expiration from the manufacturer date, um, the temperature range. Um, naloxone hydrochloride or Narcan is a very stable medicine. Um, what is 
thought to happen over time, even after expiration, is that it's just not as effective. The United States Army did a study um, where Narcan or naloxone still worked 10 years after it had expired. Um, in terms of law enforcement um, monitoring of this, if I was to do a training for any of the agencies online right now, I would be monitoring your expiration date um, such that I would contact whoever was the contact person of four to six months prior to expiration and trade it out for newer medicine so that I could take your the law enforcement agency's medication and get it into the community before it expired. And as we certainly don't want um, professional agencies, you know, having um, expired medicine to use. So that's part of the, the resource that I offer to law enforcement agencies is monitoring that medication and then trading it out prior to expiration. Um, here's a quick cartoon of uh, naloxone in the brain. On the left, you see heroin, morphine, and oxycontin on the receptors. And when um, Narcan is introduced, it temporarily displaces the, the opioid. And you have a reversal of respiratory depression. And if for someone who's opioid dependent, they may experience uh, withdrawal symptoms. Um, here's some relevant state statutes um, that I think it was important for you all to know. Um, the legislation that passed in 2016 is uh, how I'm able to be before you today with, with my own standing order um, to purchase, store, and distribute the medication to anyone who would be in a position to respond to an opioid overdose or anyone who, who is at risk for an opioid overdose. I have a standing order from Carly Bonham, Dr. Bonham at the at the University of New Mexico, um, and I also have a more localized um, standing order uh, for Santa Fe and Rio Riva counties from uh, Dr. Bill Weiss, who's a retired um, New Mexico Department of Health doctor. Um, where this applies specifically to um, state law enforcement, this is any law enforcement agency operating in the state of New Mexico. Um, that includes state, local, county, municipal, border patrol, BIA, tribal police. Um, Dr. Mike Landon, who's our state epidemiologist, wrote a law, wrote a law enforcement specific standing order for you uh, officers to carry and use naloxone under his standing order. And in red, you see the straight from the statute, um, your uh, exemption from um, civil liability, criminal prosecution, or professional disciplinary action as a result. Of, I don't need to read it to you, but you can see. Um, also, um, as many of you probably know, House Bill 370 passed, um, not this session, but the session before in 2017, which basically requires all law enforcement agencies in the state to um, carry and use naloxone. So it's that bill has made me a very popular fellow in, in this state because I have law enforcement um, calling me from places I haven't even heard of, like Logan, New Mexico. Um, I'm going to be training their, their officers in a couple weeks in Tucum Carry um, with the Quay County Sheriff's Office. So um, a lot of, of departments are wanting to be in compliance with the, with the House bill. And for those of you who may be in a leadership role, um, I have um, uh, the training for me is free, um, and the the, nar the nasal Narcan spray is also free. 
Um, we just ask that you report on um, any reversals that you may have. Just so um, you all know, um, there are 30 law enforcement agencies trained in New Mexico since January of 2017. Um, Santa Fe Police Department has had 30 reversals since uh, November of 2016, um, including a young man that I happen to know. Um, the ambulance and the fire engine were lost on this call. And one of the officers I had trained a week earlier saved a young man that I know. Um, so for those of you who live and work in small communities, you understand the, the links that how this impacts all of us. Um, I trained Las Vegas, New Mexico Police Department um, last July 24th. And on July 26th, they had their first save in the back of a car. Um, so um, since I made this presentation, San Juan County Sheriff's Office has also reported their first reversal. Bernie, if, if somebody on the network wanted to get that training, how, how would they reach out to you or, um, or is that later? They, in your slides? I, I mean, I could give, I think I give my contact information okay. at the end. If I don't, I can certainly um, do that. Um, also, just so you know, there are um, more than 1,400 police, police departments um, in the United States now who um, not only are responding with naloxone, in some smaller communities, law enforcement officers are actually giving um, Narcan to family members when they respond to an overdose at a, at a house. Um, so just to really briefly talk about illicitly manufactured fentanyl, again, to reiterate, we have not seen this uh, in New Mexico yet. Um, you all would know more than I do, but from what I understand, one of the reasons is that the cartel, the, the drug cartels that control the coast of the United States do not control New Mexico and that New Mexico is mostly a pass-through state. Again, you would know more about that than I do, but that's what I hear um, in my talking with law enforcement officers and the DEA and, and the U.S. Attorney's Office here. Um, so here's just a couple of quotes about exposure to, to uh, fentanyl in the line of duty. Um, and I don't need to read you these quotes, but um, I have some peer-reviewed journal articles from, from physicians and researchers who, who say that um, it's almost physiologically impossible for some of the stuff that's been reported in the media to actually have happened, um, and that officers have been responded to um, with copious amounts of naloxone and their level of consciousness and uh, did not change. Um, there's research that shows that anybody who's been given 10 milligrams of naloxone um, and does not respond in terms of level of consciousness and respiratory um, rate uh, is not having an opioid overdose. Um, and I would I defer to the physicians in the room. But um, so basically what that's saying is that suspected opioid overdoses from exposure to carfentanil by police officers did not respond to naloxone. Um, and even illicitly manufactured fentanyl does respond to naloxone. That's the good news, is that in the line of duty, um, if, if any officer was ever to experience, actually experience an opioid overdose and a fellow officer was carrying medication, it would work on illicitly manufactured fentanyl. Um, there is also some misinformation that's been in the media about that um, that naloxone does not work on, on fentanyl or fentanyl prescription or illicitly manufactured fentanyl, and it does. It may take more, but it, it 
rescue breathing and and administration of naloxone reverses the effects. Um, so I'm going to give these uh, a bunch of articles and um, and actually uh, personal protective equipment recommendations from the from this journal. Um, you'll be able to access those, um, I guess, on the listserv at, at some point in the next day or two when I get those to, to Jen. Also, I already mentioned this, that we have been testing uh, black tar heroin in northern New Mexico uh, since September and have had zero positive tests for fentanyl. Um, and that's kind of what I've got in case, uh, just to leave time for questions and comments and concerns. <laughs> <laughs>